everybody. Happy New Year. <laughs> yes, as you can see, I do have my beautiful celebrity co-host here for the month of January. We have the beautiful Amina McWertha. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Happy <laughs> New Year. Happy New Year. I am so excited. This is 2019. We got so many awesome things planned for this mm -hmm. year. I believe that this year is definitely going to be a year of restoration. Mm -hmm. I see that. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. And it's going to be, it's going to really, it's going to really turn some things around for those ones who have been pushing for so mm -hmm. long. Absolutely. I believe that this year is going to change all of that. And you're going to be happy that you didn't give up. Amen. Mm. Gonna be happy that you didn't give up, right? So, guys, I wanna, as I said, I have my guest celebrity co-host here, Amina McWerther. So she is going to introduce herself and tell you all what she has going on. She is a very busy woman. She is also a survivor and advocate in the domestic violence arena. And I call it arena because it's always so many things going on. It is. You know? So, Amina, definitely tell everybody that's watching on YouTube, let them know who you are and what you do. Well, first, thank you so much for having me on your platform, your show. I appreciate it, sis. Oh, so I appreciate you, you so much. Thank you. But, you know, one thing about me is that we definitely work together in this um, fight or eradication of domestic violence and really supporting our young women and, mm -hmm. and not just women but young men, young adults period yes. and understanding the importance of healthy versus unhealthy you know, relationships and one of the things that really um, I guess to just sum up me and the work that I do is when I started to really be honest with myself that I too am a survivor or was a victim more so of what happened to me being young mm -hmm. and not really talking about it mm -hmm. and then um, the repercussions of things in my adult life and in bad choices of relationships. Come on now. So you know I had to realize that um, I was a victim mm -hmm. of that and really starting to talk about the non-physical aspect of the abuse, yes. the mental, the verbal, the emotional, financial, spiritual, and the list can go on. Because that's a big piece because, you know, even when, in the beginning, when I used to go out and, and talk about domestic violence on different um, platforms, you know, I would get women to come up to me and say, you know, I never thought that I was a victim because it wasn't physical. Right. So that piece is so big. So absolutely, continue with absolutely. that. Absolutely. And so with that, I've really started to um, have my own personal therapy, mm -hmm. you know, or uh, rehab, as I would say, and started to write um, this book, mm -hmm. Shush No More, mm -hmm. Be Free and Live Life in 2014. And that's where I really started to talk about me, you mm -hmm. know, talk about the different things that happened, even with um, starting the foundation mm -hmm. in 2019, Love by the Handles, and where it focuses on homelessness, domestic violence, and at-risk youth, and really started even talking about me being a teen mom, mm. you know, and so many different things in the shush no more movement that I started from the book. It's just really us discussing and talking about things. I'm breaking the silence mm -hmm. on subjects that mm -hmm. we keep so privately in our own community. But once we break that silence, so many other people realize they're not alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's big because a lot of times when we're in those situations, 
we are made to feel like it, it, we are the only ones right. that's going through this because I remember when I was going through my domestic violence um, bout with my husband and in the church and I remember one one night coming from church and I was crying out to God and I was like God where are the women in the church who's going to be real about what's going on in these mm -hmm. marriages mm -hmm. you know because I was waiting for someone to say something right. I was waiting for someone to say I always knew because I've seen domestic violence um, in my household growing up in my church my family was a very religious family mm -hmm. so I seen how um, it was at home and how it was at the right. church so I kept on saying God where are the women that's going to be truthful and God spoke to me and he said you will Absolutely. be and I'm like hmm like I, at first I was upset because I was like why me you know why they didn't get it so I wouldn't have to go through this and God said because you were born for this mm -hmm. you know and in families there were there are people that are born to be curse breakers absolutely in the family so those different types of behaviors won't continue so absolutely and that's one thing what even in shush no more starting to talk about me like i was saying about being a teen mom mm -hmm. and i realized that i made those choices mm -hmm. because of different things that i did not even want to talk about or the women in my family didn't talk about to really help another young person yes. be able to not make that choice or yes. bad choice and i'm not saying of course that because we are or I was a teen mom that that was a bad choice right but at that time at that time know, um and I was going into 12th grade and I realized that I didn't love me mm. so because I didn't love me and my self-worth is how I got caught up in so many different situations that ultimately I ended up getting pregnant young yes I know that life too I was a teen mom as well so yeah I know about that too and so yeah you're right because they didn't talk about right. that, you know. Um, my, my my parents, they never talked to me about sex, never had that mm -hmm. sex talk. And I always say, you know, they they didn't talk about it, hopefully, that it would just go away. Absolutely. But it ain't go away. No. It, makes, it makes you more curious as to what's going on. And so it's very important that as parents that we open up and talk to our children about the things that affect them in this world because you can't keep them in this box like the world ain't going to get to them. The world is going Absolutely. to touch them. And so you have to be able to give them those tools that when they come up against these things of the world, they have their tools and know how to Absolutely. fight. Absolutely. Yep. So that's, I mean, for the most part, you know, I, I have the foundation, Love by the Handles, an author. Um, I work full time mm -hmm. in social services. And so with that, it also caused me to have a balance um, of understanding what's happening within our city. Mm -hmm. You know, I work with, with a company that has government contracts and dealing with um, D.C. residents specifically that may be on public assistance and trying to find them employment. And mm -hmm. so when I understand, you know, just really the different things that are happening within our community and the mindset of so many individuals that just at the end of the day, they just don't have nobody to talk to. So I so, tell you, so they sometimes don't. it's just that's what it's about where I'm a, uh, a counselor, you know, I'm trying to be focused and do my job, but then there's so many barriers. There's so many different things that people are going through, and when it's all said and done, they just wanted to listen and in. That is so true, because I have found that in domestic violence that they do, they just want somebody to listen to them, to what's going on, to be able to give them that ear. And last week I had a guest on the show. He actually works in D.C. as well. Um, Mayor Bowser had created a new office. It's the Office of Neighborhood Safety and Engagement. And it was a young man here who's a part of that program and so what that program do they go out into the streets of the street corners mm -hmm. and talk to the guys that's on the streets and selling drugs and I asked him the question I said you know 
what do they talk about? Like, what has pushed them out to that life mm -hmm. like that? And it amazed me at what he said. He said the most consistent thing that he hears of why they're out there is just basically trying to get money to eat. Mm -hmm. That you would be amazed that just because somebody don't have enough food in their mm -hmm. house to eat, mm -hmm. that what they would well, what they would go out in the street and Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yeah, because people think, you know, they so bad, they can't do this. And, 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 you know, they think of these children as such bad people. But it's just, in all actuality, they just trying to eat. Absolutely. And that's one of the initiatives with Love by the Handles is our at-risk youth. Mm -hmm. so, many, so many youth are really just trying to, especially our black men, mm -hmm. they're really just trying to be that father mm -hmm. in the household and try to provide. Mm -hmm. So if the mom or their siblings are struggling and the biggest thing is food, mm -hmm. um, paying the bills, different things like that, they feel that it's a part of them that they got to go out and do that however way they can. Right. So that's the part where we as a community really can't just be about it, you know, talking about it, we got to mm -hmm. be about it and really be in our community to help because when it's all said and done, especially amongst the African American community, we don't have to talk about it. We know we, know. we are the community that sometimes are not there for each other yes. like how we should be. Yes. So we can talk about what shouldn't happen, all of this kind of stuff, but when it gets down to the nitty gritty, where, where are you? Yes, you know, that is so. so true. That is absolutely true. It's about the community. It is about it. the community. It is about the community. So what we're going to do, we have come to our first break. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to bring our first guest on. It is a domestic violence survivor. Her name is Melanie Ellis and she is here in the studio. So stay tuned. You are watching the McYon Show and we'll be right back.
your business and promote your products and services, VoxWave is the right place. We have over 10,000 views a day and 70,000 listeners a month. For more information, contact Reg Gaskins at 240-832-4455. VoxWave now features a streaming radio media player on our website's front page where local artists can get their music played 24-7. For more information on getting your music in rotation or to perform live at our studio, contact Reg Gaskins at 240-832-4455. Hello and welcome back to the McYon Show. I am your host, McYon. And I am the co-host, Amina. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. As you can see, we have our beautiful special guest at the desk right now. Her name is Melanie Ellis, and she is a domestic violence survivor. And she will be sharing her awesome testimony of survival with us here tonight. So welcome. Thank you guys for having me on wow. your platform. Oh, this is my second time going public oh wow outside of family and friends wow wow it's time Absolutely. it's time and you're ready you're ready so Absolutely. we are so excited to have you here thank you welcome <laughs> yes so what i want you to do is that that camera right there in front of you you could just introduce yourself and just tell us about your story how how did it start okay well everyone they already said my name i'm melanie um the abuse started when I was 15 years old. Um, I met this guy who I thought I was in love with. I was in 11th grade. He was a 24-year-old, you know, guy from the neighborhood. And um, he basically started controlling what I was wearing. You know, when you're a teenager, you want to wear short skirts and have, do all this little stuff with your friends. Mm -hmm. So he started taking my time. Um, my parents were really strict. I couldn't get out that much. But I started lying mm -hmm. to get out to be with him. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> so he started um, hitting me like in unseen spots. Like he'll mm. pop me here and there so I can hide it from my parents and my family. I had brothers, my dad. I would lie and say I failed and all that little stuff. And then um, it started getting more intense as I got older. And then I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And when I got pregnant, I thought, oh, yeah, I'm pregnant. He's not going to hit me anymore. Mm -hmm. But he mm -hmm. said, um, just because you're pregnant don't mean I can't punch you in your mm -hmm. face. Wow. So um, that happened. That occurred during pregnancy. And um, one time on one of my OBGYN visits, that's before domestic violence, before people would help you. Other mm -hmm. you know, yeah. doctors, normally yeah. everybody would just be like, I don't have anything to do with it. Because mm -hmm. you know? right. he fought me in the public. He fought me everywhere. Wow. Um, if, I, if I say something wrong, if he felt like I was talking back to him, or if I didn't answer the phone, he he came on top of, of my jobs. I had the job since I was in high school, mm -hmm. and he were, he posed as the um, delivery guy to come into uh, to the job and punch me and my, punch my lights out. I filed a lot of don't you know um, stay away orders. It's public records. We have over twenty five or thirty public wow. stay away orders, and I moved to so many states and cities within the Washington D.C. metropolitan area. Mm -hmm. I've lived everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, just um, trying to get away. Yeah, because the police, you know, and the they violate the restraining yeah. orders, and yeah. then you're by yourself. Yeah. And then my family kind of turned their back on me because they felt that I'm I'm going back to him, so mm -hmm. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. And mind you, I was still a kid when I met him, mm -hmm. so he had a lot of, you know, put a lot of stuff in my head yep. mm -hmm. that nobody don't care about me. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm doing this and I'm getting away with it. Right. You know. Right. So when I got when I went to my OBGY and back to the pregnancy, um, I was 20 at the time, and um, I went to my 
gynecology visit, I had a bruise on my stomach. And um, I lied about the bruise, but he had punched me in my stomach like two days before. Thank God the baby um, was not, you know, bothered. And then um, my final straw was like, I used to go in the bathroom and pray a lot. I came from a, I grew up in the church as well. Mm -hmm. And I used to pray all the time. And I was like, I wish I would have listened to my parents. I should have left him alone and all that stuff. And I thought crime would make him feel sympathy yeah. or compassion, but he didn't have that. No. They view and, that as a sign of weakness yeah. when you cry. Yeah, so um, what happened was, my final straw was, um, he was in the street, he was a drug dealer. Mm -hmm and um, somebody was out to kill him. And I used to let him, of course, he used to take my money, my car, my income taxes. I mean, he controlled my thinking, my life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people didn't know that I was being controlled. That's why I didn't see, they didn't see me or mm -hmm. family members turned against me. They, I mean, I was just all alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I got shot nine months pregnant, a wound in my face and on my arm. Mm -hmm. And I was nine months pregnant with the baby. So that was my last straw that I knew that I have to leave this was he, was he the one who shot you or someone else? Um, the police at first thought it was him, that he set it up. Because mm -hmm. a lot of guys were doing that, remember. Um, yeah. Oh, okay, setting um, girls up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Their baby moms up because mm -hmm. they want to be a father. Yeah. So yeah. never got to the bottom of that, but I did know that someone was after him and he used to drive my car. So gotcha. they're thinking that happened. But that's what made me just say, I'm done with him. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though I still stayed with him for a while. Mm -hmm. And then I, my mom had a heart problem, and it was... I, now I'm older, I realize I probably was killing her slowly. And um, she always worried, and she would take the baby and be like, the baby, the baby my son stayed with her a lot mm -hmm. because she was, she, my son would tell her, Mom, they was fighting. Mm -hmm. like, he would just wake up and fight me. I had to ask him, can I use the bathroom in the middle of the night? Because he said that I was sneaking someone in through the window. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. He just, um, every car I had, he, he would correct it. He didn't want me to have any a job. He came. He I lost a few jobs, government jobs, mm -hmm. because of him. Mm -hmm. You know, they felt uh, sorry for me because I was so young, mm -hmm. and I was naive. Even when I got shot, the um, U.S. attorney and the, it was a big uh, federal case. Wow. Mm -hmm. So they was trying to say that my cars and the things that I owned was bought with drug money mm -hmm. or stuff mm -hmm. like that. But I was, it was bought. You know, my stuff. Mm -hmm. I had to go through a lot of investigation. Almost lost my job because I was in the law enforcement arena. Mm. So um, wow. I went through a lot with this fool. Um, but I can say now, I'm finally being strong. My son is doing good. He's in college, mm -hmm. studying psychology because of this. Mm. And um, I have a- Understanding the mindset of it. Yeah, I have absolutely. a rewarding career, and I'm just here now to help any other women, men, young people out to motivate them to be a speaker. And I'm, plan on trying to write a book mm -hmm. because I tell the story just so candid all the time and I know people get tired of me talking about my story because some people who have never gone through it don't understand it mm -hmm. but it's like something that's in my mind I have nightmares sometimes mm -hmm. I think about it a lot when I'm by myself mm -hmm. because I was used to being isolated so now I become a loner a little bit mm -hmm. right, right, right. and I'm always by myself mm -hmm. so it's and, just, that, and that's true with that because you know like I was just having this conversation with someone is that um, people don't realize that when you are when you have been through the trauma of domestic violence that you suffer from PTSD Absolutely. a lot of times people just think that it's veterans and have to do with the military exactly. but it's 
any it's traumatic trauma. experience Absolutely. that you have experienced. And so when you are in those alone times and you start, yep. your mind starts thinking back to those times, you will go back Absolutely. to that place. You will become a recluse. Yeah. You be, and you can be such an outgoing person and all mm -hmm. of a sudden now you are introvert. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's me. I'm really outgoing and people probably surprised that I went through it, I was very embarrassed yeah. because yeah. I was an honor roll student, you know, a really smart girl. And I just was so embarrassed and I was shunned, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do. I thought I was the dumbest person on the earth. Mm -hmm. You know, he pulled so many guns on me. I have stab marks in my hands. And I, and I, I gave, I'm glad that I fought back. I yes, finally started absolutely. hitting back, fighting back, mm -hmm. you know, going through with the restraining orders and things like that and, and moving so far away that he was scared of Fairfax, so he never came out there. Mm -hmm. And I guess he just <laughs> finally said, forget it. But mm -hmm. um, the PTSD thing, mm -hmm. it's hard for me to date. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm single at the oh, time. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> like if a guy raised their voice, I mean, they oh, could just absolutely. be um, making their point across mm -hmm. or someone standing in my face. Mm -hmm. I start, you know, getting, mm -hmm. Swear it up and yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. But that's true. That <laughs> happened to me with my um, with my ex fiance. I remember one time he came home and he was a very good guy. I mean, very mild mannered and everything. But one day, me because of all my PTSD <laughs> and everything, something just told me to get his phone. And so I went and grabbed his phone. And when he came at me to get his phone, oh my God, I had got like it's like I was living back in mm -hmm. my marriage when my husband was coming towards me. And I tell you, I just dropped the phone. He went down to grab the phone, and I just punched him in the face. And all I can remember is that his eyes were so big, he was looking at me like, is this woman crazy? And I was like, oh, my God. It's amazing how, how you still will be affected by those things and it's serious that's why that when we do as um survivors of domestic violence that when we do start dating we have to have people that will be patient with Absolutely. us because they have to help love us back from all that we have been through and that's not easy yeah right, right. It's, it's not an easy thing. Yeah, I've been single for a long time. My son was like, Mom. But I mean, I get out, I travel, I have fun, I have groups of friends and stuff like that. But the next person would have to love me unconditionally. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's what you deserve. That's Absolutely. what you deserve. So when did you actually, um, how long has it been years-wise when? Since I, how long did I stay no, with him? How long has it been since you like made that decision that you really want to start talking about it. I know that you said it's your I've been talking time, about it to my personal girl, my best friend. I know she gets tired of me talking okay. about it. So one person. So I've talked to, a, <laughs> okay. I talk to family members and strangers about it all okay. my life, but not on a platform mm -hmm. publicly and, in a, um, you know, to the point that it's getting some, I guess, some healing for myself as mm -hmm. well. Because if you're talking to a closed ear, it's not, it's not doing anything. Mm -hmm. But if you like a setting like this mm -hmm. and you know, going out, it's like basically a healing because you're seeing other people transform. Mm -hmm. right. You're helping them. Because a lot of times, and that was the reason why I was asking as far as not so much of your girlfriend mm -hmm. and whatever, because of the fact that once you really start to speak it forth, and that's where we talk about the, you know, the book, the shush no more, and things like that. When we really start to talk about it mm -hmm. to others, mm -hmm. it's like that different layers mm -hmm. of the healing. Yeah. That we don't even realize yeah. it. Mm -hmm. To where you know it, it's like, 
this is a part of mm -hmm. me, but it's my testimony. I'm trying to yes. get there. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm you're getting I'm so there. happy yeah. I met Absolutely. <laughs> my boo right here. <laughs> I met her at an event the first time I ever spoke. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and I'm not a nervous person. I'm right. Like, kind of like my formality. So I'm just like, I'm feeling a healing because I don't think Absolutely. I'm healed mm -hmm. all the way. Mm -hmm. I thought I was, but that I'm not. Is, that is big. That is big for her to recognize that she don't feel as though that she's healed yet because a lot of people still mask it that we know that thinking that they are healed from domestic violence, but they're really not healed and you can see it in them. And it's a journey. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a journey. I mean, mm -hmm. when I think about how many years that it really started in my life, even mm -hmm. as a teenager, yeah. I mean, it's over 20 something years, not dealing with just the uh, previous marriage that I was in. No, right. that's not really, that's not where it started. That's that, where it came to the That's where it ended. Yeah. That's what, right. <laughs> yes. But when I started to be truthful to myself mm -hmm. of when it really started. Yes. Right. And you it know. affect your kids. Yes. My son was affected because I moved so much. So he wasn't in a steady school. Yeah. I'm in a new place. I mean, I, I without breaking leases. I Absolutely. mean, it was like, it was like I was on the run. Mm. But look at your name. Look at you now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you are thriving and you are doing that. And, and your son is doing well, you know. His major now in school is psychology. So that just goes to show that he's trying to understand it. Mm -hmm. He's trying to understand all of this domestic violence and how it affects people and children and everything. So that's awesome because you guys are breaking, breaking that 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 stigma in your family it don't have to be repeated with your son and your grandchildren right. and that was my thing with mm -hmm. me is that with my children I didn't want this to continue to the next generation I don't want my grandchildren having to grow up in households where their parents don't know how to be in a healthy relationship right, right. you know and what that looks like because I don't want another generation to say well I grew up and I don't know what a healthy relationship looks right. like I right. never seen that mm -hmm. right so that's why it's so important for me to do this work. And I'm just thankful for people like Amina and you and yourself, you know, because it's going to take all of us. Absolutely. It's going to take all of us to be on the front line, to be that village that we need, because it's still a lot of people out there right now that some may even be watching that is still in that situation and still suffering in silence. Absolutely. Yep. So we have to be the voice for them. We have to be the voices for them. And we also have to be the ones who have ultimately had to sacrifice their life. Yeah, sacrifice their life, you know, what they actually died in domestic violence. So right. we have to continue to be their voices in this whole thing so we can save a whole generation. And speak up mm -hmm. from the standpoint of, it's not a, but, it's, but it's not a, um, the statistics. It's not enough to um, be embarrassed or ashamed about. And it's not because you're the victim. Can't, you got to kill the stigma of right. the shame and the guilt. And it's some and the fact that it's not a, a um, the norm where just because you were a product or a victim of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. For example, you're talking about. I didn't your see son. it in my home, so I didn't even know what it was. Right. Mm -hmm. and when I was dating him, and he was aggressive to his mom or his other people, mm -hmm. I never saw that at home. I grew up in a loving household. You know, mm. so it was odd to me. And I even tell people that, too. I tell people because, you know, that's why a lot of parents think because if I raise my child this way, then I'm OK. I don't have to deal with domestic violence. But if you raise your child in your household, they know what a loving relationship is and everything. But then they go out here and they meet someone who don't know none of that. 
you will lose your child Absolutely. to that abuser. Absolutely. Your child becomes a totally different person. Everything you have taught them, it may go out the window when they have someone that controlling. Absolutely, and manipulative. Yeah, preying mm -hmm. on them. Absolutely. Preying They'll on take them. Your he used to take my money, my income taxes, all my cars that I bought, he had it. Every no, I mean, like I didn't even have my, I wasn't my own self. Mm. I just became Melanie, probably in my thirties, yes. and I'm 42 now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's what wow. And I, and the thing about it too that I admire about your story is, I was great to say that we have so many people in our community that at the end of the day they think that because this happened, then you're going to be a product of that. Yes. But like we don't even talk, over. and mm -hmm. we don't even a lot of times talk about like you were saying your children who are affected. And for example, I salute you, mom. I salute you with your son where he's made a decision mm -hmm. that you know what this is not what I want to do. That's right. But what I do want to do is understand how this happened. Absolutely. So now That's I'm going to be you know I'm going to uh, uh, study psychology. You know now I'm going to and there's so many people that unfortunately we have that stigma that because you was in this that you're going to be uh for example your son mm -hmm. i hid it from him i you thought know? i was hiding it from him right by moving and not letting him see his dad and stuff like that but when i i waited till we got to a certain age mm -hmm. like first year of college mm -hmm. because i'm wow. you know family get spread rumors and tell you tell parents your mom was this your father mm -hmm. was this and that so mm -hmm. i wanted to come from me mm -hmm. i didn't want to be a rumor mill because nobody lived with me mm -hmm. nobody came over there to save me to get me from him mm -hmm. so they don't know what i went through right right, right. oh my goodness wow so that is that that is an awesome uh, part of you and your son. And even though you would say that you kept it away from him, mm -hmm. that one thing that we know, children, they're smart, they, very they, smart, sponges. Very, they very soak smart. up everything. No, they, they soak they up everything, and they know, they know because what we got to realize is that we are we are um, spiritual beings. So there is an energy. They they feel the energy before there's any word ever uttered. Mm -hmm. You can you can go into a room and you can already feel the energy mm -hmm. and nobody ain't said nothing. Mm -hmm. So they know, they feel that they know when something ain't right, they know what's going on, they know what that feels like. And so we have to understand that and stop trying to keep um right. sweeping it under the rug and you know, deal with the things for what they were. Because I, I, I did the same thing. I always told him to be better than me and your dad. Mm -hmm. This is a whole wide world out here. You can, you can live in another country, another state. Are you always going to have my support. Mm -hmm. I'm here for you for whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. So don't ever let, you know, anything that we've done or whatever we saw affect you. Absolutely. Because mm. I'm here for you. I do have a question for you when you were talking about when you were pregnant mm -hmm. and that you went into the hospital and you had the bruise mm -hmm. on your stomach. Did the um, medical team, did they even say anything to try they to ask me what was going on and I would and I of course I I lied and said nothing was going on but no they didn't they didn't try uh, to get aggressively deeper. call and try to intervene and stuff like that but I will say this to you guys um I left a point out I have lived in a domestic violence shelter before mm -hmm. when I first left him and my mom is my mom passed when my son was like four mm -hmm. but my mom was living then and she was so sad because I went in the shelter but I said mom you can't help me I know I can live with you but I need to go in this domestic violence shelter mm -hmm. because they have all these resources and you know, the community day programs, the counseling, the this and the that. And they wouldn't accept me because I always had a good government job since I was 18. Mm -hmm. So they would not accept me in the shelter because I had too much income. Mm -hmm. And that was I'm the, so glad it that was hard for changed. me to, It was hard for me to get in a domestic violence shelter 
-hmm. So I went to this one in Rockville that I, someone told me about, mm -hmm. and I had a lot to get in there. Mm -hmm. I hid in my car blocks away. Mm -hmm. One day the police came because the alarm was going off. <laughs> and I said, Officer, can I please talk to you on the side? I, they didn't find out I have a car. They're going to put me out of wow. here, and I'm in a shelter, and I'm hiding from someone. Wow. Because he used to find me. He used to trick people and pay people to know where I'm at. Wow. And that is so amazing to me because just like Mignon said, years ago, the support that we get now in dom for domestic violence, especially when it comes to the safe houses and things, that would not happen now. Mm -hmm. But imagine, though, how many other women, because of what you experienced, that's why they stayed. That's right. why they didn't couldn't break the silence because they were so scared because it wasn't a community. Yeah, I needed to be in a safe place. It wasn't place. people to be able to help yeah. them. I had enough money for my own place, but I needed to be in an environment that if he came over there that they could arrest them as witnesses and things like that. I, I was scared wow. to live, be by myself. So let me ask you this. So when you did make that decision, and this because this is another thing that within our community, why people also stay because they're fearful mm -hmm. of the abuser. Mm -hmm. So when you finally made that decision, thankfully, unfortunately, because you because were pregnant. Because of the baby. Right, if I didn't have a baby, pregnant, I still would be with him, I think. What, what did he do? When he finally, okay, when you he got finally, upset and he, you know, called, stalked me, what they call it, stalking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He stalked me for it. Like, he never stopped stalking me. For 10 years straight, he stalked me. Wow. wow. He kidnapped my son from school twice. All this stuff is verifi ver verifiable public records. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He um, tricked the babysitter to um, get my son. One time he took the son, took the, he did it when he was an infant the first time. So I got him back. I lied and told the police that I breastfeed mm -hmm. because he's on the birth certificate too. Mm -hmm. Right, right, And then right. Um, mm -hmm. the second time he went to the elementary school. And I, the school said they can't do nothing about it. So I had to beat him there, like get mm -hmm. there first to pick him up. Mm -hmm. And I finally got there first. Mm -hmm. And you know, kids when they're little, they like, I want my daddy. I want to live with my daddy. I want to see yep, my yep, daddy. Yep. Mom, it's your fault. Yep. So for years, I went through that with my son. Yep. And then my son finally saw who his father yep. was as he got older. Mm -hmm. yep. So I had, to, I, had to, I had to go through, me and my son went through a lot of fights because he couldn't understand mm. and he thought it was my fault. Mm. that he wasn't seeing his dad and stuff like that. So it, I didn't have any more kids. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to go that through again. that. Mm -hmm. I was scared. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. So again, I salute you. <laughs> yes, you have a powerful testimony. Absolutely, you do. And it takes a, it does take a lot for you to be able to be on this platform, for you to be able to really start talking about outside of your family and right. friends. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times we, that's don't like to zone. break. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. We don't like to break the silence mm -hmm. because then we go through, like you said, so much emotional and mental mm -hmm. things ourselves that it's easier for us to be quiet. Yeah. And a lot of people call me yeah. crazy, and I, oh, I get so yeah. offended when someone calls me. I got it all the time. But crazy. see, they always say, <laughs> but, this, but this is what they don't understand. You know, people can always say what they wouldn't do or how they would do something when they're not in it. But Still once you're in, in that situation, you don't know how you're going to react. Mm -hmm. yep. And because we have. We have the clinical piece of what goes on with domestic violence, that if they was in a situation, they would act the same way. Yeah. Because it's neurology, it's, 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 it, it, it's a chemical imbalance yeah. that mm -hmm. happens mm -hmm. when you're in that situation. The Stockholm Syndrome? Um, I think, yeah, yes, that, yes, yes, absolutely. And then when you have kids, it's a whole nother it, it's just, it's oh, just, absolutely. It just comes with the trauma of it, you know? Oh, it just comes with the trauma of it. And this, in my, in my instance, he was violent. He used to actually hit me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know how some guys are threatening you but won't hit mm -hmm. you? He actually bust me up mm -hmm. every time. So I knew he was going to hit me if he catch me. 
So what I would do is lie to him and tell him I love him and mm -hmm. all this stuff and mm -hmm. make love to him and stuff so it could not hit me. Mm -hmm. And then I would come back home. Yep. So, he, when he caught me, because he used to sit outside mm. my mother's house, my, my girlfriend's house. He don't pull me out my girlfriend's car. Mm -hmm. That she was the getaway call mm -hmm. at one time. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I can laugh about it now because I'm a happy person regardless of what happened. Exactly. To me. Yeah. But it's it's and that's real. A testimony these are God. these are like <laughs> these are episodes yes. and movies and mm -hmm. I went through it for fifteen years. Wow. Absolutely. So what we're gonna do guys, wow. we're gonna take another break because I think that is our second guest that's calling in, Doctor Latasha Holden from out of the Atlanta area. So we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. You are watching the McKeon show. We here at Vox Wave believe that no one in the DMV should go without a coat this winter. So we partnered with Star Imports Dealership for this year's annual coat drive. If you have an old or gently used coat that can still be worn, drop it off with us. Vox Wave Studios at 4711 Off Place, Suitland, Maryland. And give the gift of warmth to somebody in need in the DMV. back to the McKeon Show. I am your host, McKeon. And co-host, Amina. And this is our awesome guest here today, <laughs> Melanie Ellis. So also, we have another guest that is calling in from Atlanta. So, Dr. Holden, are you on the line? Yes. Hi. How are you? Hello. How Hello. are you? I tell you, I've been watching you all on YouTube, so I have been enjoying the show. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I am so excited to have you on my show. You know, we are Facebook friends, and I have just been following you, and you are just doing such awesome work down there. And I tell you, it feels like I already know you, and I am just so proud of you. 
Thank you so much. It do feel like we know each other. I know. We have never laid eyes on each other in the physical, but we are definitely Facebook friends. So what I'm going to do, we're going to have the co-host Amina just read a little short part of your bio, and then we're okay. going to turn it over to you for you to be able to share anything that you would like, a little part of your story, and all what you got going on down in Atlanta. All right. Okay. Welcome, Dr. Holden. We are so excited to have you here. So, listeners, viewers, here's a little bit about Dr. Holden. <laughs> she is an inspirationalist. She has transformed her life only by the grace of God. She went from a GED to a doctorate in, in leadership studies. She's a published author and from homelessness to a political candidate. So without further ado, it's so much about Dr. Holden, but yes. only Dr. Holden can tell you about Dr. Holden. That's right. So now we're going to let you have it, Dr. Holden. Welcome. Welcome. I tell you, thank you for having me. I'm um, so excited. Just a little bit that was read. Um, I, I think I'm coming down off a 10-year run, so to speak, um, and for, for God to do what he has done. In the last 10 years, only he could have done it. I, I, was, I would not take any credit for that. I mean, the last 10 years to bring me from being homeless in the streets of Atlanta with six children to a political candidate in the 2017 election here in Atlanta, from a GED to a doctorate and an author of 12 books. I, I, I'm just mm -hmm. now coming, because when you're in the thick of things and you're running and you're pushing mm -hmm. and you're striving, I think I'm just now coming down off the high. I'm like, God, what just happened? <laughs> so, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, yeah. So he has definitely, and, and um, it just warms my heart that he did not forget about the homeless woman. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. That is amazing. I tell you, from homelessness, GED to a doctrine, to homelessness to a political candidate, so that just goes to show you, like I was saying um, earlier, is that, you know, you can never give up. You can never give up, that you have to keep pushing and keep striving. Absolutely. Dr. Holden, when you talk about homeless, you know, when you was homeless, can you really share with us, because I know a lot of times when people are going through different transitions in their lives and when people talk about their journey, many cases homelessness comes in yeah. a lot of times that people yeah. were struggling um, with their finances and didn't have a place to live. So when you were going through that, really, what? how was your mental state? And you said that you had your children. Like, talk to us a little bit about that oh, journey. Yes. Um, oh, my goodness. You know, we were actually homeless for two years. Mm. It was it was probably the hardest. I'm, here I am. I'm, I'm 35 years old. I have a GED. I have no work experience. Um, so I'm uneducated. I'm underemployed. And I have six kids. I left abusive uh, relationship. So mentally, I was beat. I, I, I didn't have anything. But what I did was, because I had already checked out mentally. My kids didn't mm -hmm. know I was contemplating suicide. So I came to my six children. And I said, because I thought about it, I said, well, I got to leave my kids something. I just can't. You know, I wanted to leave them something. Mm -hmm. And I came to my six children 10 years ago, and I said, well, I said, I don't have a lot to offer you all materially. And I said, I know we don't have anything. I said, but I want to teach you all how to give back. And they was like, Mom, what are you talking about? We don't have no money. We don't. I said, I know it. I said, but if I can teach you all how to serve you now at your Lord, mm -hmm. 
Mm. I believe I've given you a strong foundation to build on, to become great leaders. Mm. And out of me showing it was around a Hurricane Katrina time, out of me, we got the, the newspaper clippings. I did about four or five events in the community. And out of me showing them how to serve when they didn't have anything. They each turned around, and my oldest son came to me his senior year in high school. And he said, Mother, by what you showed me about how to serve, my way of giving back is joining the United States Marine Corps. Mm. He just retired after 10 and a half years. Now he's a student. He said, Mom, I want to continue to serve. So now he's getting a biology degree to be a pharmacist. Mm. And then I have another daughter, a daughter came to me and said, Mother, my way of giving back is going to the medical field. She's an EMT. Now she just enrolled in college last year to get her degree in human services. Another daughter came to me and said, Mother, by what you showed me, my way of giving back is by going to the human service field. And matter of fact, next week I'm planning to go to South Carolina because she's graduating from Army basic training. Wow, wonderful. And my 17-year-old daughter, she said, Mom, my way of giving back, she's been like, I guess I've been mentoring her. She's been shadowing me since she was 12. And she's a two-time published author, youth speaker, spoken wow. word artist. And matter of fact, she's That's going awesome. to basic training um, when she graduated in May, and she just got accepted to Alabama State. So all of my kids, Omega, he's the youngest, he's, he's youth athlete. Everybody is serving in their own way. And I can tell you this, my sisters, if God called me home today as a leader, I believe I've done my job because I believe ministry starts at home. That is so true because your first ministry is your home. Absolutely. That's your first ministry. I always tell people, you know, you could be out here in the world and doing everything and saving everybody else, but then you can lose your whole family. Mm -hmm. You lose your own family. So what good is that? Absolutely. That is awesome, Dr. Holden. I mean, your story is just so amazing, so amazing of just a strong overcomer. And also, we got to let them know that you are a woman of the cloth. Yeah, yeah you know, along the way, um, I got ordained as pastor back in 2013. And God is just using me. You know, it's, it's interesting how he does this. When you said something earlier, I don't know which one of the beautiful said it, but when I remember when I was, when I rode in college, we were living in a board-up house in Squatters. Hmm. And, and the, the struggle got so hard. Because we went home just for a month. We come out two years from shelters, cars, abandoned house. It, 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 was, it, was, it was the hardest time mm-hmm. of my life. Now, I remember one day I walked into a hospital. And I told the lady at the front desk, I said, ma'am, I, I, don't, I don't think I can make it. I don't, I don't want to live anymore. She said, ma'am, are you telling me you want to commit suicide? I said, yes, ma'am, that's what I'm saying. And I remember them keeping me for a week for observation. And they had this padded room in there, and it, they they took the people that I guess was really harmful to them. But I went to the lady at the desk. I said, can I go in that room? She said, ma'am, you don't have to go in there. I said, I know it. Now, I wasn't raised in the church, so me and God got to know each other in the trench. Mm. And I would go in that room every day and drop to my knees and cry out to this God, help me. I don't have anything. I don't have no money. I, I mean, my, the only people knew me was the welfare office. And every day when I went in that room and prayed, when I left out at seven days after they observed me and realized I was no uh, harm, you know, I wasn't a harm to myself or no one else, it just felt like I had a wind beneath my wings to mm. keep going. Mm. 
Mm. And before I knew it, I had my associate degree, my bachelor's, my MBA. I got us up to the PhD program. And I'm just thanking God that he, man, he, he kept my mind. It's, he, I'm just feeling all of what he's done in the last two years. Mm. You know, listening to you, the thing that I've heard in my spirit, literally, is, you know, that saying, the saying of, won't he do it? And it becomes such a cliche. Yes. But when yeah. you really start to think about mm. what God has done for you yes. Yes. and listening even to your own story, mm. it's like only God only can do God. it. Won't yeah. he really do it to turn things around? Like, that's not a cliche no. when you have your own story because you know it's nothing but God. That's right. When you said, like, it was the wings. Yes. What, what, what is that? Yes. Angels yes. carrying you. Yes. You know, exactly. and so I do have a quick question. Mm -hmm. um, I see and I know when I went on your website and everything to get familiar Rise with you, and please know, Dr. Holden, that I'm gonna be like Mignon. I'm sending you a friend request. <laughs> We're gonna have this relationship too now. <laughs> Mignon is gonna keep you all to herself. <laughs> but I do have a question about. Tell us a little bit about this documentary. Yes. Um, no longer lost. What was that about? Oh my goodness! You know, the, my mentor, the founder of the Apex Museum here in Atlanta, um, Dan Moore Senior. He came out of retirement just to do a documentary for me. He's a filmmaker. And he just felt that um, that story needed to, to be told. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're, when you're six kids at 35 years old, your mindset is kind of already, the world has shaped your, my mind. It had mm -hmm. already told me, you nobody, you defeat, you, you trash, mm -hmm. you know. And so we just, I mean, it, they did it so beautifully. It just told about the... That, that, that mental effect on the kids, that mental effect of being homeless with children. I remember one time, the documentary is on Amazon, but I remember one time we was riding around. I didn't, we didn't have nowhere to go, and the kids in the back, we tired, where we going to sleep out and crying. I'm like, I don't know, and I heard a still, small voice. And if anybody familiar with Atlanta, they'll know what the place I'm talking about, but the still, small voice said, go to the Rand Christian Bookstore on Cleveland Avenue. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know no one. And I heard the voice again, go to Berean Christian Bookstore. Your help is there. Mm, mm. My God. And I always tell this story because if they're not angels, I would love to meet these people. And I remember walking into the bookstore, and I was going to this lady who was standing reading a book. And I went and told her about this voice I heard and told her about my situation. We was homeless and driving around. And she said, well, hold on. Let me go speak with my husband. She came back, she said, ma'am, do you have a car? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, follow us back to the house. When I tell you this, ma'am, for one night, God gave us a place we call home. This lady feasted and, and treated us like we were out of town guests. Mm. She went to the grocery store. She threw down, I mean, you would thought it was Thanksgiving, and, and mm. they made us Sorry. for one night. <laughs> And I hope to God that they hear me say this because I want to meet these people. If not, they were angels. And when we left that next morning, she prayed on me. They was Christians. And she gave me a little pocket money on my way. But for that one night, oh we had a sense of what home was like. Mm. Yes. Selfishness. That's right there. That's what people need to know that people care. Mm. You know that people yeah. care and we're here to support them. Yeah, those were angels, Dr. Holden. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, wow. my goodness. 
Mia, you got to have her back again. I know. <laughs> we do, Dr. Holden. It's so I, much about you. It's that, so much you know, about her. And, and tell them about the, um, the latest position that you got now going on. Well, it, it's interesting. I think God is positioning me. I did make a vow when we was homeless. I made a vow that, and this is going to lead into the position, but I made a vow that when God brought me, I said, God, if you bring me out of homelessness and hopelessness, I will go back and fight for others. And that's why I got into the political race in 2017. Now, it's interesting about that, but it leads to where he's taking me now. I didn't know anyone. I was I was the underdog in the race. I didn't have a campaign manager. I had probably took my last $700 to get in this race. It was eight of us. But, you know, it, it's interesting that the lady who wanted to see to my $1,500 that I had raised to campaign with, to her 50000 that she had, and she had every, the, the whole bells and whistles. She only beat me by 400 votes. And wow. And and we, I, we was running for the district that Keisha Bottom gave up to run for mayor mm -hmm. of Atlanta. Wow. So that was the biggest district wow. in Atlanta. So, so close. Now, mm -hmm. You know, um, I just kept my vow to God. There's it, no way I cannot go back and help my sisters and brothers. Absolutely. So Amen. two things are going on now. I'm now in the state. Uh, I am now the legislative aide for state representative, Dr. John Kendrick in Georgia. And I recently launched my new business, Three Elements, Inc., on September 1st, where I go back and get my sisters and brothers through workshop training, motivational speaking, and uh, personal development coaching. Mm. Amazing. I, I, you know, yeah, I got, I got to go back and get them. That, that's the reason why I ran for office and I did so well. The people knew I was not politics. Mm -hmm. I told them the same fight that I had for my family is the same fight that I would have for you all. And I'm just continuing on with that. And that's why I started my business. I can go help people. That's why I wrote the 12 books. The 12 books on different genres. I have my life story. Mm -hmm. I have a four-part youth series that deals for 11 to 14-year-olds deal with sex trafficking, teen mm -hmm. dating violence, um, bullying, love and forgiveness. I wrote four children's books to teach on kindness and love and respect for one another. I got a training manual where I would teach out of to go back and show how did I transform my life. So mm -hmm. everything I do, I'm going back to show love, compassion, and service. And that's how I named my business The Three Elements. The Three Elements are who I am at the core of my soul. Amazing. Yeah, I want to like her. Powerful, <laughs> powerful, powerful, powerful. Well, Dr. Holden, I want to just say, like I said earlier with Melanie, I just want to salute, we yes. just want to salute you because you are an amazing woman. And one thing that you said that I appreciate because I started to think about it with my own mother is when you started to talk about how you was trying to figure out what could you do to give back to your children. Mm -hmm. You didn't have the finances, the struggle, the story. And the mere fact that you talked about the inheritance of what you wanted to give them mm. was dealing with social service, social services or services yes. and giving back. And how, because of that, they are able to be very successful yes. and have yes. their own, you know, inheritance. And when I started to think about that, we have to really think about other things all, other than finances yes. all the time. Yes. When I really yes, started absolutely. to think, yeah, when I really started to think about like with my mother and, and being a single mom and her own struggle, I'm like, wow, I didn't get taught the wealth mm -hmm. per se. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, just like you talked about Dr. Holden, that small voice, mm -hmm. maybe about a year ago, 
the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, but you got a spiritual inheritance. Mm. So That's how right. much greater That's with right. me having, getting the wisdom from God to be That's able right. to even get that financial That's right. blessing, mm-hmm. if that is, you know, what we need. Yeah. But mm-hmm. other inheritance is just so important. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. So but thank you, you know for what, that. Me, uh, and I'm, I'm, I know we're wrapping up, but just something to your point right there. What I realized when we was homeless, I didn't. I never saw you all following us through a possession line. Mm. You got that, so that right. Let, you know, that let me know none of this, the only thing that's going to matter is what we do for others when we leave here. Yes. That's God. it. And so my that's legacy to my six children and my four grandchildren is service to others. And so I'm just, I'm just, man, I'm just blessed to see them running within their own lane, each person. Yep. Absolutely. So, Dr. Holden, before we go, can you definitely give them all of your contact information in your social media platform so they can definitely follow up with you? Yes, thank you. Um, You can follow me on all social media from LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just type in Latarsha Holden. If you want to find anything else, you can Google. God, I, you know, it's funny when you Google, Google yourself and you see what God on these. Yeah. Because I Googled you, Dr. Hosea, and some stuff sure didn't come up that blessed my heart. I Googled you today. Yeah, that's amazing. God, oh, my goodness. But my website, if you want to book me to come speak or, or just check me out, it's the number 3 the word element, E-L-E. M E N T S I N C three elements com, and you can also email me at Latarsha Holden L A T A R S H A Holden H O L D E N Latarsha Holden at yahoo.com. I'm here for motivate. I'm here to come inspire the people, give them hope that they keep pushing. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, Wonderful. thank you so much, Dr. Holden. Bless you. And we're going to have you on the show again. So you <laughs> definitely be ready. Okay. <laughs> bless you. Have a good one. Thank you, you all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Awesome. Oh my goodness, that was awesome. This has really been a great her. show. Yes, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to do something. We're going to go to Atlanta. <laughs> we go to Atlanta. <laughs> we're going to Atlanta because oh, I got a lot of people down there that really wants to do stuff. So we're going to wrap it up. I want Melanie to give, you want everybody to follow you on social media. Okay, I have um, two pages. Um, I'm on Facebook, it's M A L A N I E E L L I S, Melanie Ellis. And on Instagram, I'm, I'm a personal shopper and a fashionista or whatever. So I, I give people um, advice on how to dress and I also do the personal shopping for you and the stylist. So you can follow me on my Instagram at exclusive, that's with an E, exclusive shopping for you. Awesome. Wonderful. Amina, give your information now so they can follow you. Amina McWhirter. M-C-W-H-I-R-T-E-R and Love by the Handle. And since I'm a co-host, I'll tell y'all more about that next week. Sure will. <laughs> sure will. And as always, you can find me on Facebook at NBA Speaks. I want to thank you so much for watching. Thank all of my guests, Melanie and Dr. Holden. Thank you guys. And both for also, having yes, me. my awesome celebrity co-host. Thank you guys so much. Thank you to my engineer, Ron Jackson. Thank you to Vox Wave. Thank you guys. God bless. And we will see you back here next week, Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bye, guys. Bye. Have a good evening. Oh,